Let's go is live. Welcome everybody to episode 63. Coming to you at a special time on Tuesday. Because we gotta react to the Nations League and MOS. And it is Name Mudis, one of your co-hosts. Alongside, as always, Matt Powell. Hello, hello. And Ethan Cooney. Hey, how's it? I, I overthought it. I overthought the intro. Um, hey, everyone. It's good you, to be here. Your mind is a blur because we are kings of CONCACAF. And good say, good say. And for you guys, uh, this is a new feeling. I felt this way before. I, I've known what it feels like to be kings of CONCACAF for, you know, the last year. But I guess this is because, different. Because, because the U.S. won the Nation, Nations League last year. Uh, you, mean, you mean two years ago. And the ago. Gold Cup before so that. And the Gold it. Cup. But that was two years ago, so, but so we won. Well, that was, the, what, what I else guess we, I guess, speaking of? That was, yeah. I this. guess, okay. 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 You're just, I'm just gonna gaslight. Yeah. I'm just gonna gaslight. Okay. Yeah, I have just... no idea what you're referencing with this whole thing <laughs> you're doing. Let's get right into the Nations League final. Uh, an underwhelming game, I would say. Even, uh, but similar to the Mexico game, uh, U.S. playing just absolutely outclassing their the opponent. Um, Ethan, what are your what are your thoughts on 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 the game? Yeah, I actually I didn't really get to watch this game because I was having dinner with uh, my dad and company for the Father's Day. It was on in the restaurant that we were at, so I was kind of looking over my shoulder and and watching it, and and so I saw the goals more or less. Um. And then I was able to see like the last twenty minutes or so at home. Um. Yeah. Honestly, like you said, Nat, it seemed pretty underwhelming. It didn't really seem like Canada posed as much of a challenge as we all thought they would. Um. But we were correct in predicting, um, two goals, you know, scored by the U.S. And Nat, you predicted, you predicted the Zimmerman header goal. From a corner and while it wasn't Zimmerman it was Chris Richards which was cool to see but we did get that that corner goal so um, and Balogun scored his first goal which was amazing to see great finish great assist from Giorena. Um and it's another trophy which is nice to have but yeah otherwise kind of underwhelming like you said obviously so with the substitutions and the and the red cards uh, three changes were made Miles Robinson because of injury uh, was replaced by Walker Zimmerman, and then Jill Scally um, started uh, at right back, um, and then uh, and then Brendan Aronson came into the midfield. Um, I I I do think uh, as as an example of the nation. I mean, we can talk about the Nations League and the Gold Cup. I mean, the Gold Cup starts this Saturday. Um, I think I was confused on who, which players were on both, because I think I said I said DeAndre Yedlin, but I, I, he's part of the Gold Cup team, um, even though the, the team is all training together. 
Um, Matt, what did you think of the of the lineup uh, for this game? And the did, were you expecting more changes? Um, some people I saw some some people saying that with Ricardo Pepe scoring in the Mexico game and Balogun uh, playing uh, seventy plus minutes in the first game that Ricardo Pepe might have started. Uh, did you? Do you think that uh, what do you think about that idea or in like the lineup? Uh, I don't really buy that. Um, we're at our best with Flo, and Flo needs to find his way into this team by 2026. And with how few international minutes there are, he just needs to play almost all of them. Um, and I don't mind him getting subbed out. I'd like to see him play 90 minutes both games, but I also know that's a lot. So I really don't mind the decision to sub in Ricardo Pepe. And then for the lineup, the only thing that I think I disagree with is Brendan Aronson over De La Torre. Um, just because that midfield had no defenders in it. Nobody that could play the six or even really the eight. I mean, Yunus Musa started as a winger. Gio Reyna and Brendan Aronson are both attacking minded tens i really thought we might get exploited on the counter but um i think the thing this game taught me and taught a lot of fans is that it's not close uh the u.s at their best is is by far the king of Concacaf, and we can play lineups that don't have incredible synergy or, or like the the tactics can be pretty free-flowing and the talent gap is just overwhelming and um, I think that's just where we are. And it'll take a pretty heavy result in the opposite direction to convince me that our next milestone is going and competing in Copa America or on the world stage in the World Cup. Uh, CONCACAF is basically not beneath us because it's too quickly to say that, but I'm really, I'll put it this way, I'm really excited for the Copa America next summer. Yeah, I I think Canada is a really exciting team. I uh, I think they are really fun to watch. Um, I like uh John Herdman, their coach. Um, I think it's funny that he and interesting that he used to be like a, an elementary school teacher before he was the coach of the Canadian national team. And then like I like Alfonso Davies. I like Tejon Buchanan. I like Kyle Laren. Like uh, like there's so many players on this team, but they just don't they don't have the depth that the US has. And they, they like their program is definitely growing, but people claiming that they were the best team in CONCACAF because they finished uh number one in World Cup qualifying, uh like that's that's just BS. Because both, if like you in that, I think you have to look at more. You have to look at like the overall history of U.S. and Mexico, and like knowing what the potential is. And the U.S. and Mexico in qualifying were not playing up to their potential. Um, this is it. That being said, uh, it's going to. It will be interesting to see if we get to if we have a rematch between who 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 will if we end up facing uh, Canada again 
in the Gold Cup uh, moving forward. Uh, who do you who do you guys think was like the who who were your guys's like top three uh, players in this game? Uh, it's pretty easy for me, honestly. Um, and I want to say my fourth option first. My special shout out is just that Flo's um, ability as a striker is so obvious. He's not my top three for this game because he's still finding his way into this team and finding his way to make runs uh, that gel with the players around him. But it's so obvious in the goal that he scored that he's right there. The skill is all there. He just needs to gel with the team. Um, but I'll say that Chris Richards, the goal scorer uh, and the clean sheet center back, um, is going to deserve a shout. Um, he was physically dominant. Uh, he almost scored again. I think he hits the crossbar. Um, yes. And then Anthony Robinson, Jedi, fantastic. Um, played really well, uh, consistently um, rose up to the challenge of players coming at him. And then uh, Gio Reyna, who only plays a half with two assists and was just the difference between our team with him on the field and without it was apparent. It just, there was very little creativity going forward in the second half compared to when he was on and when he could instantly gel with flow and, and make the passes and be players one-on-one. Um, Gio is number one for this team, uh, this game and probably this tournament. Yeah, Matt, you nailed exactly who I was going to say. Um, Going back with just Chris Richards in this game was absolutely incredible. Um, he 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 never never lost the ball. Never never was uh, uh, never was beat beaten. Never lost a duel in this game. His stats were just incredible. And then obviously um, he he gets the game winner. Um, uh, on a corner, which I predicted, I thought it was going to be Zimmerman. Um, uh, uh, but and then with Jedi, uh, multiple times in this game, uh, there were times where Canada was very, very close to getting a tap in, and his man marking was uh, exquisite to get in the way. He stopped Kyle Laren multiple times, um, with some tap ins. Um, and then obviously Giorena, his service has been incredible. Uh, when he went off in the second half and Christian Pulisic was taking corners, uh, the quality of corners severely went down. Um, Christian, Christian Pulisic, I thought was, he was, he was just very fine. He, he didn't really, he definitely wasn't as great as he was in the Mexico game. He was very lights out in that. Uh, don't know if that's more this Canada did a better job of man marking Pulisic, but yeah, uh, Giorano was absolutely incredible. And this, this front, this front four is just looking just so good. And uh, I'm excited to see how they do moving forward because this is the most exciting, like the U S like watching the U S um, has been, like in a while like i i like going all the way back to like 2014 i feel like was the last time that like i was excited to watch uh us mnt games 
Yeah, I mean, it's 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 amazing to see a dominant performance from this team because it it feels like a rarity almost. Um, and the energy is great as well. You can tell that it's a really good group of guys and they all really enjoy playing with each other. Um, and they, they seem to be a real unit. And I think that's that's that can be really special in the long run. Uh, anything else um, from the final that we think we haven't we haven't uh, touched on? Um, do you, now BJ Callahan first first two games in charge has had two huge dominant uh, performances where the U.S. completely outclassed their opponents. Um, do, is he the best coach in U.S. history? Um, for as uh, he is now getting, re- or I guess he he. He is still going to get to coach the Gold Cup, but uh, where where do you think he stands in that in that ranking, Matt? I don't think that's a conversation worth having with the amount of games he's had. <laughs> um, but I will say that uh, I think that they're giving Callahan the Gold Cup because with the roster they've called in, they think there's a distinct possibility they lose, um, and they don't want to start Burhalter off with a loss because that would just ignite the fan base even more. They kind of want to like let that the weight of that loss fall on Callahan but what would be really interesting is if Callahan goes on and wins the gold cup with this roster that and then you know you have Callahan whose whose team plays free flowing and he puts out his best 11 consistently and then you have Burhalter come back in and say his first game back he puts Gio on the bench or something or like puts him out wide like I as a fan, you don't have much say, but Twitter would not be happy, and I would not be happy. I'm calling for Callahan to coach the team if Gio doesn't stay who he is uh, when Burhalter comes in, especially if Callahan wins the Gold Cup. I The fans have to continue to, to be vocal about their beliefs because the fans do, while the fans don't have much of a say, they do, they keep, the fans can bring change. I mean, the fans were how we got Balagun on the team. Like, uh, you if you're loud enough, like, uh, people will hear you. Um, to to move from the Nations League to the Gold Cup, I want to know which one do you guys think winning? Which one do you think is 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 a bigger uh, competition? Which 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 trophy? Um, uh, is worth more because like I've been to, just from talking to people who who don't know that much about soccer since most people like they most, I'm, people who don't follow soccer if they're just watching the World Cup like when I've been like oh yeah the U.S. is playing in the Nations League um, on on Sunday versus Canada they're like what to what and I mean I guess it's a new competition but like they're like, what is the Nations League and what is the Gold Cup? Like, like what? Like, wh- which one do you guys think is is better? Uh, they're pretty similar. Uh, just based on like the roster we called in, we seem to be valuing the Nations League more. Um, but they're essentially similar tournaments with similar competition. I feel like because. With that being the case, because they are the same thing, it's the same quality. We're seeing the same teams. Every in the Gold Cup, we're probably there's a good chance that the Gold Cup semifinals will be the exact same as the Nations League. Canada will play 
could play Panama, the U.S. will play Mexico, or you switch out Panama for like Jamaica or Costa Rica. Um, do you guys think would it would it be better? Uh, would you guys prefer if Concacaf uh, either did one or one of these competitions happened every four years? I mean, I've said before, I think the Gold Cup shouldn't happen every two years. It's also worse that they happen at the same time. They could try it every four years. I mean, I don't know. I don't really have all that much to say because I guess I – I mean, I guess to answer the previous question, I guess I don't think too highly about the Gold Cup. Like, it is cool, and I enjoy winning the Gold Cup. But I feel like it's similar to something like the U.S. Open Cup, um, but with less benefits, almost, where it's like, oh, you know, it's nice to win a trophy, but it's not the MLS Cup. I, and I feel like we're just constantly playing against the same teams, and I feel like it's just, it's just not enough, I guess. It, I, like, I'm very happy to win them. I don't want to sound ungrateful. Um, and they are good competitions, but you just don't always, not always revving up for the Gold Cup, especially for the Nations League, though, in my opinion. I, I think the Gold Cup is better than the, than the Nations League. Is that because it's a longer tournament? I, yeah, I think so. Even though the the first rounds of the Gold Cup are just usually boring games of soccer because every game is like six zero with the U.S. beating St. Vincent and the Grenadines, or and and then also and for some reason there's we we have Cutter in the tournament um, for the second year in a row or some guest team. Um, so moving to the gold cup which again it's does like the team is all was all training uh, already in in Vegas um and th they play their first game um against Jamaica this Saturday um in Chicago uh what and i think another thing that adds to that one thing I could say about my thoughts on this roster is even though it was picked by BJ Callahan, this is clearly like it's a very Greg Berhalter roster. And like he can say he doesn't, uh, maybe he wasn't actually talked to, but like this is exactly who Berhalter would pick. And like if you're not going to pick the starters, then you should give people a chance that we don't know how they're going to play. Like, why Like, why are we calling in Matt Turner to the Gold Cup? Like, we've seen Matt Turner with the national team. Why are we calling in, um, yeah, to make you guys happy, like, I don't think Morris or Rodon should get pulled in. For one, I, I would prefer that they were still with the Sounders. But uh, also, like, we've seen, we know what Morris offers to the national team. Um, we, we, uh, and why not call in players like John Brooks? Like, why not give him a chance, again, to prove it? Um, a player who's playing well, like, uh, 
it's an MOS team, but like not all these guys are even playing that well. Like if you like last Gold Cup, they called in uh uh Gianluca Buzio, um, and that made sense, but right now calling him in doesn't really make sense since he's not playing that well. Do you think there's benefit to James Sands getting caught up right now? I mean, there's definitely benefit, you know, to the men's national team because he's a good player. Not much benefit to NYCFC. Probably, I mean, they're probably actually detriment to NYCFC because he's a, a wonderful player and he he's really, really important for our team and when we play. So I am worried to see what will happen without him. But otherwise, it's it's a fine squad, I think. Like, I'm not really disappointed with it necessarily. It would be cool to see uh, Brandon Vasquez get some starts, especially if the other primary option is uh, Jesus Ferreira, who I don't really want to see. Um, but yeah, like it's it's a fine lineup. Uh, we you're we don't necessarily need to see Matt Turner again. I I agree with you on that. It'll be cool to see either Sean Johnson or Gaga Slanina sort of get same, the starting job. Same thing with Sean Johnson. Um, We've seen Sean Johnson play in the Gold Cup before. He's won the Gold Cup before. Uh, like give a young give another young player some time. Like Calendar was called in from Miami for the Nations League, which. I thought was weird, but it feels like, like, why not give him a start? Cause like Matt Turner, Matt Turner doesn't need more games. He is, he's, if he is definitely part of like the A tier of USMNT. Matt, do you have any thoughts on the, on the team that was called in? Yeah. Aiden Morris should be here. Uh, DeAndre Yedlin shouldn't. Um, Ferreira should probably be here, honestly. I think he's probably in the age range and skill level of players that we should be looking at um, to fill backup roles for 2026, which is probably what this is for. Emerging players who could maybe, potentially, maybe take over someone's spot and then um, players to just fill the backup roles. I think Jesus Ferreira might be either the first person left off or the last person brought on the the plane, quote unquote, to the USA in 2026. Um, so I think I, I don't mind Jesus Ferreira. I'd love to see Brandon Vasquez play. I'd love to see Zendejas play. I really want to see him. Um, Sands is great. Senor is great. Um, but yeah, I, there's players here that shouldn't be here, including Matt Turner. So um I'd love to see them replaced by younger players with more different styles of play so that they could bring something it different. It takes for a lot for me so to criticize Christian Rodon and Jordan Morris, but neither of them, like Christian Rodon, obviously, he only just came, he only just got his first start in a while after being out with the concussion. And Morris was also injured and of late hasn't been playing super well before the injury. Neither of them deserve right now have proved that they deserve this cop and both of them have already won a gold cup like right now the sounders need them way more than usmnt and it's very frustrating because i feel like based on this lineup 
Jordan Morris is not going to start these games. I don't think Christian Rodon is going to start these games. I think Morris will probably come in in like the 70th minute, but I don't think Christian Rodon... Christian Rodon might not even play in most of these games. Um, And the fact that like for this game against LAFC, which is a huge game in the Western Conference, um, and if we are able to... uh, and if we can get three points against um, LAFC, um, and we can only, which would mean uh, that with their with their game in hands, um, we would be taking. It, it's essentially a six point game, as they're only ahead by one point, and they have two game in hands on us. It's a huge game, and we need two game changing players with us. While the USMNT does not need to call them in to be on the bench. There are plenty of other American players. Um, bring in more under 23 players or under 20 players who the people who were having all the success um, in Argentina. Give them some senior national team caps. Um, I don't know. So it's partially I'm blaming uh the U.S. soccer, but also like Jordan Morris and Christian Rodon could say, or the Sounders could say, we we are not going to release our T, our players, and I wish they had done that here. Um, do you do you guys wish that teams would not would release their players, would reject, um? letting their players go on international duty more. Do you have any thoughts on that? Maybe older players, but if your player is younger than 25, 26, then you should pretty much always be releasing them. Um, I think, cause like, I don't know. Yeah. Like I don't see Noel Buck here. I don't know why he's not called in. He's been fantastic. Um, but I feel like Bruce Arena would have let him go. So I feel like that has nothing to do with that. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think they should be play teams shouldn't be afraid to block players older than well, you know, Roldan Morris age. Like you can block those players if you have games that are important. Um but I, I don't like as a rule of thumb, I don't like clubs blocking players going to their country. But like in certain circumstances like that, I would be okay with it. I mean this is just a problem. This is just a problem brought up by the the Gold Cup happening every two years and the League's Cup being invented that we have to play during these international breaks. Um and uh, and another reason that makes it feel like MOS if MOS the quality of games would be better if we flipped the calendar and played like the rest and played uh August to May, like the rest of the world. How do you guys feel about US soccer basically deciding that this tournament is meaningless and not having Greg Berhalter come in and coach the team during the Gold Cup? What what do you like again? Uh the if you are the coach of the U.S. of the U.S. national team, your job is to coach the team. 
And if you are the head coach, like what else is he get? Like, is he not going to be at the stadium for these games? Because I think he should still be there to watch. He's like, what? What else is there? Anything that he could be doing that is more important? I I don't see anything. Um, it feels like yes, they they don't want to make the fans. Uh, they don't want to give their fans. Uh, make them more unhappy about this news. It is a little weird to have him announced and then to also have him not become the coach immediately. And I'm sure there's all kinds of red tape and reasoning for why that's not going to be the case. Uh, But like Matt said, I think it will definitely complicate the relationship with BJ Callahan. And if we are successful, we could definitely see a sort of uprising in in BJ Callahan fans and people who want Callahan to stay. Um, And so I think it is definitely a really odd decision and I don't really understand why it's made that way. And I mean, Burhalter probably should be present. Um, And, you know, I mean, he's going to be the coach. So it it feels like they're like, it's like, Oh, it's too close to the turn. I mean, like they, if they got the choice, they wouldn't have they wouldn't have announced the coach till after the gold cup had ended. Um, obviously that didn't happen. Um, and they wanted, they, I think they're like, they want to give him time to like adjust to to like put some put a system um, in place um, before an actual tournament. But that's but. Like, that makes more sense if a new coach is coming in. The fact is that not much has changed since the last time Berhalter was the coach. Like, as I said, it felt like the the Gold Cup team feels like a team that Berhalter would have picked. And, like, they were still pretty much set up in the same ways that Berhalter played um as is time so it doesn't feel like anything has really changed or a reason why he couldn't be the one who who made the selections yeah it's annoying because it feels like no met like the u.s can play as can play so poorly in every competition um and no matter what he will be the coach at the world cup and the fans have to hire Hold U.S. soccer to a higher standard, uh, and uh, than than that. Um, so if the U.S. does lose uh, badly in the Gold Cup or in any games, um, there's only going to be two friendlies um, in the second half of this year. Um, but if we don't have a good performance at Copa America, like I think there's a real case to ask for someone else. Uh, the only thing that. I want to say about Berhalter is that if Gio Reyna is anything less than a 90-minute number 10 for this team, it's mismanagement. He is just at the center of this team's success. One thing that I, I hope U.S. soccer is able to figure out is that, again, I not to go back to the scandal in December, but now they have... Greg Berhalter publicly admitted to domestic violence 
And now U.S. soccer has set the president that there are some types of domestic violence in which you can continue to work at U.S. soccer. And that is a really, really bad look for U.S. soccer. Um, and does make me wonder more stuff about the inner workings of the organization. I mean, unfortunately, that's a symptom of sports in general, all around the sporting world. There are awful, terrible people who have, not to say that Burhalter is one, but who have not been punished for crimes that they have committed. You see it all in the NFL, the NBA, probably in the NHL, but I don't, I don't follow that. I don't know. The MLB. And then also, you know, uh, in, in, in other countries and in, in soccer as well and other sports. So um, yeah, it's a really shameful symptom of, of sports, I think. And, and the culture involved. All right. Uh, so we'll, we'll move on from the nation's league and the gold cup and USM and T after again, um, uh, a terrific performance um, by uh, the players on the field. Um, it, again, it sucks that everything was overshadowed by this Burhalter news. Um, Matt, uh, when when Walker Zimmer, when Walker Zimmerman um, hit a strike as clean as he did, obviously he wasn't on target. Um, uh, what what did how did you feel? How did you react to that? Were you like, oh my god, Nat's Nat's production, Nat Nat's prediction is coming true? Um, even though I definitely wouldn't have thought that it was gonna be with his feet. A volley on his left foot from outside the box. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I was unexpected for sure. I, I was shocked to see him try and hit that. I would have loved to see uh, the MLS, the portion of the MLS fan base that hates <laughs> Walker, um, just have to cope with that. And to be fair, I understand why they hate Walker. Like Walker is just old and below the current standard for this team. Um, but he's also like on, he is in this team's best roster as a center back depth piece that can deal with aerial threats. So like, yeah, he's a he's very consistent. He's you can't hate him for being he's not a bad player. He's very consistent. Yeah, he has a role on this team and it's off the bench. And that's something I'm willing to admit, but he has a skill set that no one else on this team has. So if there's a certain matchup that they need him in or they want to play three in the back, he's a great depth piece. So the people that hate Walker Zimmerman, I would have loved to see that go in just to spite them because the hate is too much. And I'm not going to defend him as a starter, but I will absolutely defend him as a part of this team's best roster today. So I would uh, I would have loved to see that go in and see the people that hate him just have to cope with it. But that was all. Um, it would have been really funny if it went in. And we win anyways, so it didn't have to. All right. Now let's uh, bounce pass our way away from the U.S. men's national team and – Go back to week 17 uh, of MOS. Uh, Lots of good galazos and lots of storylines to talk about. Uh, 
But uh, one of the biggest news is uh, news stories has to do with Chicharito tearing his ACL. The bad news continues for the Galaxy um, as they can't sign they can't sign anyone, so they can't find a replacement. Bottom of still bottom of the Western Conference. Um, does, is this truly the end of the LA Galaxy um, for for a while? I think the only piece that can be left standing after the teardown that I assume is coming um, is uh, Ricky Pouge. Um I think he's the only solid positive piece there right now. There's probably some youth depth pieces that I can't fully appreciate because I don't watch every LA Galaxy game. Um, and uh, maybe even some veteran pieces that are solid enough to keep. Uh, but something's broken and something has to change. And it's pretty funny to make fun of Chicharito in LA Galaxy, but he might have played his last game. Um, so I do think it's it might be important for us to acknowledge that he is an MLS great with what he's done um, on the field for sure. I think he's played his last game for the LA Galaxy. I don't think he has played his last game as a professional, though. I think he is someone who will not have his career ended uh, in the way um, in which uh, he he left the field um, untouched. I think he will end up playing for some for some team again. Um, what I'm uh, it seems like he could get a curtain call somewhere in Mexico, because um, he's still when he's healthy he is, uh, he is a true goal scoring finisher. Uh, all right, uh, an- uh, moving to another topic, um, in LA, as uh, LAFC has a new owner. And that is the Houston Dynamo, who have played the who played LAFC twice because a game was rescheduled, um, and they won both games, both their game in Houston and um, in uh, Wednesday and uh, in Los Angeles uh, on a midweek Wednesday game, as LAFC is quickly making up games um, after CCL. Uh, guys, is this a CCL? Is 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 LAFC not going to make the playoffs this year? Is the CCL slump real for them? Are they not going to make the playoffs? No, that's crazy. They're going to make the playoffs. They're overwhelmingly talented, and they did lose to Houston twice, but they just won a game against um, a relatively surging SKC side. They they did not play well in this game. They were very lucky to to get all three points. If it's not for Kyrie Shelton um, keeping Carlos Vela on sides wide open, uh, then they're then they're walking out with with a point probably. Yeah, I mean the CCL slide is real, and they're they're definitely uh, a week or two of this form continuing from being out of supporter shield um, contention or serious supporter shield contention. Uh, they might even be now, um, but it's probably too early to say that now because we're only halfway through the season. Um, 
but yeah, they're 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 going to be in the playoffs, but they're they're hurting their trophy odds. Um, and in a pretty quick time frame, they've fallen out of the Open Cup, the CCL, and now they're falling out of the Supporter Shield race. So this team is is not of the same caliber that we considered them a couple weeks ago. That's for sure. Yeah, I, I again just like terrible, terrible mistake from the former NYCFC player in Kyrie Shelton. Just terrible, terrible play there. Like not getting back, uh, not moving up, uh, and keeping Carlos Vea on sides. Uh, Ethan, any thoughts on LAFC? Kyrie Shelton, not a defender, not his fault. You know, not a defender. He's a natural born attacker. Fun fact I actually. Back in like 2016, I swiped up on a Kyrie Shelton Snapchat story, and was like, "Let's go!" <laughs> you know, I was like, "I was like, let's let's win today." Like, hope to see you out there or something like that. Um, and he and he, but I do have his response. His response was just one word, just injured, and I was like, "Oh, yeah, so my bad." And that was, yeah, so. Kyrie Shelton was injured, and I was like, "You let's kill it today, man." And it was, yeah, let's not. But yeah, LAFC, uh, they're definitely gonna make the playoffs. Definitely in a Seattle slump. Says the person whose team is the only one not above hey. the red line. Oh, hey, that's gonna happen quite soon because we're only three points away. And I want to say, LAFC not in the supporters shield race. And I think it's it's time to start talking about how the Eastern Conference is better than the Western Conference this year. This can be another episode topic if you want, but I think it's time we face the facts. I mean, I think that just means that the Western Conference is just... I'll admit that the Western Conference is not playing up to their potential. But like in the same way that Canada uh, is not the best uh, team in CONCACAF, the Eastern Conference is not is not uh, uh, better than the Western Conference. This year it is. I, I would say so. Fourth place in the Eastern Conference is a point above first place in the Western Conference. Yeah, the the supporter shield race is basically all the Eastern Conference teams right now. Yeah, it's, that, is, that is definitely... Um, while, while Cincinnati has... A, a lead um on nashville i think it's gonna go um it's gonna be pretty tight um uh between cincy and nashville with the way that nashville's been playing uh they can they cincy should be scared um let's talk about uh, uh i want to ask uh so in the past two weeks we've seen two goals from behind midfield um, along with many other Galazos. Um, Lucas Zellerion last uh a week ago won go of the week for um his shot from behind midfield. Um and then Pablo Luis uh of ourselves scored against uh DC United um this past weekend. Um I think that I just in general, think that Lucas Celeron's goal is actually the worst goal of the five that were nominated for goal of the match day. Um, 
I think all the other goals that were nominated, I'll put a link to the, the ones that were nominated are better than Zellerayon's. Uh, but which which one do you guys think is better? Zellerayon's um, midfield goal or uh, Pablo uh, Ruiz's? And uh, Pablo Luis uh, is go. Which one do you guys think is better? And or do you think that those goals are better than um, than like? Uh, uh, do you think Lucas Elrayon's goal is was the best goal from? It was absolutely weekend? the best goal. He scored from midfield to win it in the ninety third minute. I like. <laughs> I understand that there's some fault no, there's of the a, keeper and that no it's ambitious, and you keeper. can criticize the That's decision. That's not the keeper's fault. It goes fault. in and wins the game. The keeper is correctly okay, positioned. How is it the how? The keeper okay, is correctly actually, positioned. It is the. But then, how is it? How is it the worst goal nominated? Uh, if there's because no fault it's the a keeper, terrible giveaway by Chicago, um, which. It, which is how Zellerayon um, gets the ball. And then the keeper is in the correct position again um, for where he should be when the ball is at midfield. Um, I think it's the worst goal because all the, all the other four goals um, this uh, that week um, are, there is more skill um, than Zellerayon's goal. All he, it has to do is kick it really long and straight and there's a good chance it's going to go in it, it was it was definitely a, a packed galazzo match day but i think the houston i think for sure the goal that houston scored to make it 4-1 um was great the goal that uh lucio um acosta scored which is um which is uh a which is also in some ways a chip but it's from uh the left it's around the left corner of the box um so that's a tougher angle um and then also the sanu the the sanu goal, which was nominated um is also uh a better a better strike but all that being said, Pablo Luis's goal uh, is a better goal than Zellerayon's um, this week. So there's no chance that Zellerayon's goal um, is going to win goal of the year after all of this. Uh, Ethan, what do you think? Yeah, the second goal I think is a little better than Zellerayon's. I think just because it's a little further back and the angle is a, a bit harder. But I, I, I think the keeper could have done a lot better on the second goal to be honest I, his his f his lack of effort was appalling i it was ridiculous it was just like a nice little walk back to the goal i i think it definitely but it also saved. goes in on the top corner anytime you find the corners of the goal i just don't he's tall i don't give i don't blame the keepers that much because if you get the ball into like nestled in the corner like that already is a nice shot. It's you have to have a nice shot to put it in the corner of a goal. If he had tried more, I I wouldn't be bothered. I just it seemed like he he was just like oh no 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 whatever, it'll go over. 
and then it went i don't know i just thought i just thought he really didn't try hard enough uh all right, uh, let's move on to talking about our teams in uh, week 17. All of the, these games were ties. Um, let's start, uh, let's quickly cover Nashville, Toronto. Uh, I predicted the tie 1 1. Uh, and I also said that Lorenzo Insigne was going to score. Uh, and we mentioned it with Connor about how it was terrible defending by Shaq Moore to let Insignia <laughs> uh, shoot, um, cutting in at the top of the box with his right foot. Matt, uh, any thoughts on any other thoughts on the Toronto Nashville game? Yeah, um, Nashville struggled. Obviously, it's been a little while since it happened, but. Um... Nashville could have played better. Um, you really want to beat a team like Toronto, especially a team that's struggling like Toronto. But I think I acknowledge that it was a dis distinct possibility that when you go up against Insigne and Bernadeschi, you can concede um, to the pure talent. And it is bad defending from Shaq Moore, but it's also not like anywhere near 1XG or anything that he allows. Like that's still a very tough shot, especially with Joe Willis and goal and how he's been playing. Um, Joe Willis so does touch it. Nashville could have gotten away from here with a win. Joe, Will Joe Willis has done really well this season. Um, Insigne scores, Insigne's brilliance, uh, beats Nashville. Uh, they come back and get a goal, and it ends 1 1. And Nashville get a point on the road. Um, and they're in supporter shield contention, so they might need more than one point on the road, um, to really succeed this season, but. You know, you really can't complain about it too much, um, especially with how their home form has been. And that was nine of now 10 unbeaten. So the form is good. You can't complain too much about two dropped points um, across the border. Yeah, what's crazy is that, uh, again, I mean, to the, the fact, this just shows you how good the goals were in week 17 that uh, this goal by Insignia didn't even get nominated. Um, and with that, uh, we can go to the Sounders game, which was against Charlotte. Um, first time the Sounders playing there. Um, every goal in this game was also great. And none of those skills got nominated for, for Go of the Match Day um, as well. Um, starting off, it started off with Christian Rodon. Um, who who scores on his first start um he does an incredible job to set himself up and just passes it into the goal um to make it 1-0 then uh Sounders second goal came uh from Raul Roy Diaz um uh, who finds uh who finds uh, the the corner of the net um from distance and then Raul Diaz would score um our third goal um after uh re basically third three third time is the charm as Joe Paolo uh was put put in three uh after a corner kick Joe Paolo was able to serve in a ball three times because we kept they kept heading it away and it went right back to him and then uh Radias finished that but our defense in this game was 
the worst uh we've played uh all season uh the only time it's been worse was the portland game when we uh lost uh 4-1 um after after when uh portland just went ran rampant of us uh on us in portland our defense didn't look good anytime you score three goals on the road uh you should be walking out with three points um guys what were your thoughts on on christian rodon coming back and 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 raro diaz um in this game it's obviously a big deal it's a huge deal uh they need them back to succeed um they're not this this, this, seattle is not the same team without them but uh, this is just indicative of Seattle's recent run of form, and it has to get better uh, if they want to capitalize on the talent of their aging roster because these really talented players won't be around forever, and the window, unless youth comes up and shows something special, the window seems to be closing on uh, the years and years of Seattle yeah. you know, dominance and excellence that we've seen. Not to be, like, hyperdramatic or, like, like, you know, too, too, like, doomer about it, but um it's no secret that the best players in the sounders are old um and the results you know each season that passes without trophies is is yeah, uh, it's, it's harder than the last I, I will say this this game against charlotte was the first time in a while i felt like um i i felt like the the sounders were really on the front foot um uh with with uh our attack and then like it really felt like we were doing a good job of creating dangerous plays and like um feel like that we believe that we could score like i think we always believe that we have a fighting chance going into games but um like you get you have to have the instinct like we are going to score and and like we are going to we have the skills to put the ball in the back of the net and we haven't had that recently. And, and, and it feels like our mentality has been uh, how we've been feeling has been, has, has not been good. Uh, so just having Rodon back uh, since Rodon came back on versus Portland the week before, like things changed and having him start, was absolutely huge. So again, while we looked so good and I feel like things are changing for the Sounders, now we're going into another a big game against LAFC and we're going to be without Rodon. So it feels hard to believe that it's going to be different from how we looked during the stretch when Rodon wasn't with the team. So I feel like we've turned a corner and with Raul Rodriguez being back, that's it will be interesting as Raul Rodriguez is especially he is when he's available to play LAFC, he he's a destroyer on them. Now let's go to NYCFC, um, and uh, talk and Ethan, what were your thoughts on the RSL NYCFC game, which finished nil nil? Yeah, not much in this game for either team. Uh, I thought Luis Barraza put in a really good performance in goal, and he made saves when we needed them. 
we were without uh Cheneau because he was on a yellow card accumulation suspension. Uh, and that got a little nervy at times with Justin Hack playing in his place at center back and James Sands coming back to form a three back uh, with Tony Alfaro. Um, but ultimately, it was okay. Didn't concede a goal. Um, yeah, really not much that happened in this game. And and let's move into the two games for Nashville and NYCFC during week 18, um, which first uh, we saw NYCFC hosting Columbus. And game got started first with a Christian Ramirez goal. Uh, Christian Ramirez, one of the new, uh, one of the MOS players who has just played for, it seems like, every MOS team at this point. Uh, uh, and uh, I, I think uh, he gets a celebration of the of the week. Um, pulling out the baseball celebration, uh, it was pretty awesome. Um, Ethan, thoughts on the game otherwise? Define awesome. Uh, it was just so fun. It was just so fun. I, I just love to be reminded that they play at a baseball stadium. This is such a tired joke. Like, Oh wow, you did a you did a baseball swing after you scored a goal. Oh wow. Carlos Vela did that three years ago. Congratulations. You're like three years late on a celebration. You know, it's just like I'm just I'm so tired of people talking about the baseball shit. Cause it doesn't do anything. It's fine. It's a stadium. It's a field. Fucking play on it and stop crying like little babies. Like fucking Matt Polster crying about the fucking stadium. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know why I'm going on a rant all of a sudden. I'm swearing a lot, but I don't know. I guess I'm just this. You're not special, Ramirez. You know, you, I mean, you, you mean more in the world than I do. Sure. But, you know, you're not cool or interesting for this celebration. Ethan, you know how you make, you know how you make it go away? Yeah. What's, what's how you that? make this go yeah. away? You win. Oh, that's not where I thought you were going, to be honest. That hurt a little more than what I thought you were going to say. What did you think I was going to say? But (laughs) I thought you were going to say just like get a stadium or something. (laughs) That's what I thought it was going to be. What's going wrong with NYCFC right now? Because NYCFC, there's a, and there are, I mean, we've talked about that they don't have a striker, but I feel like there's, there's got to be other problems. Yeah. Uh with that because not really. I mean, I don't I don't know what to say. It's the main problem. Have you ever heard of trickle down economics? <laughs> no, I'm I'm kidding. But it's it's a thing where it does kind of no. It's the effect of not having a striker is kind of trickling down and we're playing fine on defense. Our midfield is okay. I feel like we could maybe use another midfielder. We're a little short on midfield depth. Um, but we really just need an out-and-out goal scorer. We need that number nine who can come in, be a fiery presence, and and score some goals. Because without that, Talis Magno can't really do his thing on the wing. It's hard for him to create opportunities for a striker if there's no striker. 
Dallas Magno has also like lost some rhythm. He in in this game against Columbus, he should have put away two chances at least that were yeah. bad misses for him. Um, so, uh, I mean, like, well, 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 you guys. Yeah, yeah, there was that one big chance at the start of the second half that he really should have done something with, and we should have scored there at least. Um, yeah, so I really, we really just need July to come so that we can sign a number nine and just put him right in the squad because we really need that. And I think once our team is complete and whole, uh, we'll get back to our winning ways. I honestly think right now, aside from signing a number nine, I think the biggest question in the squad is how to get Richie Ledesma playing uh more often than he is currently um because he's uh, plays a similar position to Santi Rodriguez and so it's kind of hard to play them at the same time you kind of have to sit one of them or you have to sit someone else um and currently Santi's taking the precedent which I'm okay with because he's been on the team longer and he's a bit more gelled but uh, I really like Ledesma so far, and I want to see him play as much as possible. So I think my my biggest question mark, aside from signing a striker, is how we can get Rich Ledesma to, to uh, be a starter. But we tied, and I celebrated one point like three. Um, yeah, it was great. I I went totally blank when this goal scored, and I was just screaming. I was I was screaming so much, and I lost my voice a little bit. Um, and I was really happy. I'm a fan of Gabe Siegel. He's not amazing, uh, but he's our only actual striker on the team. And I think he's good in play. I, I think he passes well. Uh, his finishing leaves a lot to be desired. Even this goal that he scored, it takes a deflection off the defender. But the touch that he makes with his chest to set himself up was perfect. And th- and that's what strikers do. And they put themselves in the right areas. Um yeah, and I'm glad I'm glad we drew this game because we did not deserve uh to lose. Now we can talk about the the best team out of all all three of our teams, uh, uh Nashville. This was first first half of this game, uh, very very even between Nashville SC and St. Louis. Uh, thank you to Nashville for then waking up and helping get rid of uh, a game in hand of St. Louis, uh, helping out the Sounders uh, as the Sounders, as we are hoping for St. Louis and NFC to continue to drop points. Uh, But the first half of this game, um, obviously very even. It starts um, with Hani Mukhtar scoring 10 minutes in. Then, uh, Matt, I dare you to tell me that, uh, that that it was the correct call not to give St. Louis a penalty uh, when Giacchini goes down. Uh, he goes down early, but there's also probably enough contact for it to be a penalty. He's searching for it, and he literally starts to fall before there's contact. Um and had he just played the way he was supposed to play and ran into Mayer, then he definitely gets the call. Um, but the fact that he went down early calls everything into question, and he hurts himself by doing that. It is a penalty, 
but he puts himself in a situation where he can't get the call by going down early. I have a nuanced answer. <laughs> no either or. Okay, so the game should have changed. Game definitely should have changed that moment. Um, that is the goal that should have counted. Uh, I, I will uh, assume that they that they make this penalty even even with Joe Willis, because the goal that St. Louis does score, I don't think they should have counted. I do not think it is the the goal uh, was originally called offsides. Um, as Giacchini gets the last touch um, after a ball was driven in uh, and Nashville pushes up. Um, I think, and then they go to VAR and they determined that uh, the ball came off of Lovitz. Uh, I I don't think this is, I I feel like this is a situation where even though the ball like came off the defender, like I don't think this is enough intentionally or or also it's it's clear that you can say that this is not offsides. Like I think he is clearly gaining an advantage for being offsides and it's not not like the defender. Uh Matt, what are your thoughts? I think that on top of everything you said, he also scores with like his arm. So I, I I I don't know how this counts. Um, every part of it is close, and I don't know how they go to VAR and determine there was a clear enough error made to overturn it, because the initial call is offsides, and to go to VAR and decide that it's so obvious that it wasn't offsides, I I don't know what the correct call is. It's maybe fifty fifty, maybe sixty forty, but it's not clear and obvious. So, St. Louis deserve one goal out of this game, and they get one goal out of this game. Yeah, I I totally agree. Uh, we've talked about it before. Like they, if yeah yeah, you just can't tell. I um how from the angles that we can see, like how um how intentional the pass, or how much it it hits off an Astral player instead of a St. Louis player, because there's definitely the a St. Louis player who's involved there. Um, other th- other another big play from the first half uh, I want to bring up because I thought that uh, we were going to have an incredible goal uh, was Zubek. Uh, I don't know what you call what you would call this move, but uh, if if Zubek scores with this play, like honestly, that that could have been goal of the season. Uh, and guys, uh, uh, thoughts on on that play, or what? Do you guys know what you would Zubac call that? Is the worst player on Nashville's <laughs> roster, and this was a crazy attempt at goal for someone <laughs> who can barely get minutes. I don't know where he got the confidence to do former, that. Former Galaxy, I don't player, know what Galaxy. I don't know player. what kind of training week he had to gain the confidence to try that shot, but uh, it was crazy. And had it gone in, I would have. I don't even know if we celebrated. <laughs> I'm sure I would have, but that was that was a wild goal. It's like a back heel Ronaldo chop, one touch volley. Like it's just wild looking. Is it just is it just called a <laughs> should we just call it a Zubek? No. From now no, on. I'm not cool with that. I I right. I think I guess we can't call it that since it didn't work. So when he does it 
when he does it again and it works and he scores, then it will be. Then we can go. Well, ideally, we get a Nashville get a DP nine at the transfer deadline, um, and he never <laughs> plays another minute. But we'll see. Um. All right. Uh, moving to the second half, Nashville would get a penalty um, after Honey Mukhtar is incredibly unselfish and passes it in the direction of Shuffleberg. Clear penalty. Um, defender was already on a yellow card, so he gets a second yellow. But I think this, I think this could have been a a sec, a, just a straight red uh, for Dog. So doesn't win the ball clear it's very clear that Shuffleberg is going to have an, uh, a chance at an open goal more or less um the pass to honey Mukhtar to play to play him in uh is just incredible uh but clearly a penalty um on that play Matt any thoughts uh yeah the pass comes from Alex Mule and Alex Mule is playing really well uh honey times his run perfectly and Shuffleberg pure effort to get there because it's pretty easy to say oh honey's gonna finish that one but just Schaffelberg says just in case he needs me i'll be there and then we get a goal plus a red card and i also think it's a straight red but it only it, it didn't matter because it was a second yellow just semantics besides um for i guess suspension reasons and then the third goal is just again just honey mukhtar being incredible the whole place starts with mukhtar then he just continues his run, um, and, and uh, old man Dax plays an incredible ball, incredible back heel through, and the simplest of finishes for Mukhtar uh, makes it look super simple. Um, I'm not sure how long Mukhtar, uh, I think we still have a couple of years um, uh, for this, but uh, I mean, Honey Mukhtar has just, is has his entire time obviously he's been incredible um is there any do you think the u.s should try uh for a player like him who who is incredible in mos um but my is have will have a hard time getting onto the national team with germany um should the should the MLS and US soccer try to uh try to get him a green card so that he could play with the national team? Do you think he would he could help the national team? He I think he would probably have to live in the US for like two more years before he would be able to do that. But uh, is that something that you guys could see happening in the future? I mean, whatever treatment Lucho Acosta got, um, Hani Mukhtar should get. Uh, Lucho Acosta recently became a U.S. citizen to, uh, with like an endorsement from U.S. soccer. Um, and I think Hani Mukhtar married um, an American woman, so I don't know what role that plays in it. Um, he got married at Geodis Park. I I don't know if anyone knew that, but Hani Mukhtar is like Nashville through and through. Respect. He's built like his academy here. My brother played at a tournament there the other day. Um, the His whole brand is built here, and I think he'll be a Nashville player for the rest of his career, even though he's good enough to go play somewhere else uh, if he wanted to. So it's super exciting to have him. Is and there... One thing I do want to say is that he's on a yeah. three-season run with 50 goals and 30 assists already. 
um, the record for goal contributions in a in a in three seasons is ninety two. Uh, he's at eighty three, I think. Um, with the rest of this season to go, uh, Hani Mukhtar is on the best three season run in MLS history, arguably, from a goal contribution standpoint. He's headed towards like all time great MLS status in my opinion, and the opinion of the announcers in the St. Louis game. Is there any way that he doesn't win MVP this year? I think if Messi, I think if Messi like really elevates Miami into a playoff team, that narrative will come around. Like look at them without him, look at them with him. And then he gets like 20 goal contributions in half a season. Um, They might give it to Messi, but I would be a little personally upset because I think Connie deserves to make history this season if his form continues. I think the only players who you can make a case for uh, besides Hani are Luto Acosta and Denise Bowanga. But honestly, like with LAFC's form currently, like I think the the Boanga form the Boanga case is harder to make right now, but if if Mukhtar continues to play like he is and Nashville um, is competing with Cincinnati the entire way up until the final match day for a supporter shield, uh, then like uh, I do right now feel like it's Mukhtar's to lose. Like if Mukhtar. Mukhtar has to seriously drop off um, for it to not be him, and it will be on him if he doesn't win it. So um, that is in Ness Messi. Then I, I agree with you about. Then my Messi. question is: If Hani Mukhtar is the first ever back-to-back MVP winner and goes on the best three-run goal contribution run in or three-season goal contribution run in MLS history, is he is he like Mount Rushmore? Or are we talking? Is his name next to like Giovinco's or, I mean, it doesn't feel like we're too early for that anymore. Um, but maybe I, I don't, I can't take off the uh, Emerald glasses. Um, yeah, I, I think he, he's definitely, it's, it's, it's really tough. Cause um, yeah, I would have to think about who, who else we can think of with this. We could, we should do, a Mount Rushmore best of MOS uh, all time sometime because there's still, I think it's still tough for him to make um, top four. But uh, the way he's playing, like he has definitely been the best player um, in the league since 2020. I don't think many people, and I don't think anyone can argue against that. All right, let's make predictions for the games coming up tomorrow on Wednesday. And over the weekend, we will be off. No episode will be coming out this coming Saturday. And we will return on July 1st uh, is when the episode after this comes out. So time to make predictions. First off, uh, Nashville is heading to Montreal. Uh, Ethan, what are you predicting for that game? Nashville. 
I don't know. There's no, there's no other answer. I, I mean, look, part of me feels bad for Montreal. They, they lost like their five best players and they lost their coach in the off season. And that's tough. They had one good season and then they just got absolutely poached. Um, but yeah, this has to be Nashville. They're playing really well. Nobody scores and assists like Mukhtar. It's got to be Nashville. I'm, I have to agree, uh, even though I, I usually like to go for a tie on the road. Yeah, Gary Ball needs something else now. But, uh, you know, I'm, it's I'm not tie on the road. Um, yeah. NYC FC is facing off uh, against Atlanta in Atlanta. Matt, what do you think the score of this one will be? Yeah, so Miles Robinson will probably miss it. Um, but I still feel like Atlanta at home probably has it. Um, or maybe Almada will miss this one too. I'll still pick Atlanta. Um, NYCFC struggles to score. Atlanta does not struggle to score, and they'll be at home. Uh, I am going to agree. Uh, I feel like this game is going to be decided by only one goal. Um, so I, I really hope that NYCFC, if uh can put a lot past Brad Guzan, if, if Talis Magno wakes up and scores like five against, uh, against Brad Guzan, um, that would be excellent. And I won't care that I am not getting a point for the misprediction. Uh, and the big game, uh, Sounders will, are heading to LA. I will be at this game. Matt, the only time you predicted a loss for the Sounders before uh, was against LAFC. You're going to double down on that. Uh, Yeah. Seattle, LAFC is in bad form. Seattle's not in great form. Um, LAFC want to impress in front of their home crowd, and there's no better team to do it against besides LA Galaxy than Seattle. So, yeah, I'm picking LAFC. Ethan, even with uh, a rejuvenated Sounders with Raul Roy Diaz, uh, who are you picking for this one? Well, to be honest, I was thinking a tie, but Matt is. What Matt said is making me think to go with an LAFC win. Um, but you know what? I'll be different, and I'll stick with a draw. I'll say it'll be a tie. Uh, I think I, – I agree with you, Ethan. I think the most likely result is uh, a tie here. Um, I think LAFC getting the late win – against SKC changes the momentum for them going into this game. And the Sounders who were flying in um, in the Charlotte game early, uh, but then weren't able to get a win in that game. Um, I think that hurts us. So because of that, um, I was feeling confident uh, but with my confidence of the Sounders going down and my uh, expectations for LFC going up, I think tie is very likely. Uh, 
Sounders game on the weekend is against Orlando. Uh, Matt, what are your thoughts for this game? Uh, give me Seattle against a struggling Orlando team. Also, I guess this entire season, I'm just going to pick Seattle to win unless it's against. Yeah, I LAFC. just noticed that too. You've really, <laughs> this is, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to pick I just a think Seattle Seattle's good. Too. I think Seattle's good and they got to, they're, they're. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. Thank you very they... much. <laughs> I also All said that they're like, their days are numbered. <laughs> <laughs> i mean you, know, you, you keep I mean, picking them to win our days i mean if our days include uh trophies um I, i'll take that over nashville nashville's nashville's in trophy form right now they nashville nashville might have something something coming to them and until it happens the the <laughs> i'm going to continue bringing up the trophy cap and the the trophy cabinet looking dirty and dusty it'll get there um we've got mvp Ethan, mvp and yeah. uh golden boot in there now uh that that's that's, that's in mukhtar's that's in mukhtar's trophy uh there's trophy a mukhtar cabinet. shelf that's they just have a shelf for mukhtar uh the trophy cabinet is literally just a portrait of mukhtar <laughs> better than uh, some teams it, it's true it it's true. It could be um. It could be, but it's better than Cincy with three wooden spoons or two wooden spoons, mm. I guess. Um, Ethan, what are you predicting for uh, Seattle Orlando? This is a Seattle win. Yeah, Seattle's just a better team than Orlando, and they'll beat them. Beating uh your expansion buddy. Yeah, expansion cousin. And moving to NYCFC, NYCFC is playing their MLS Cup rival um, in Portland. Um, I think this is the first time you guys have played in Portland since the MLS Cup. I'll pick a tie. Um, I'd pick an NYCFC win if it was at home, but um, I'll pick a tie. All right. For the first rematch of uh, MLS Cup 2021, um, I'm gonna pick the Timbers. I think wow. they get revenge. From um, a Sounders fan, that's yeah. it's traitorous. Oh, I, I've t- I've said it before. I've said it before. There, I I feel frenemy. I'm like frenemies with the Timbers. I I really hate them when I want them to lose when the Sounders also lose. But uh, besides that, like if the Sounders win, I'm okay if they win. Um. Uh, and uh, the other game, the final game, uh, Nashville is uh, playing in Columbus uh, at Lower.com Field. Uh, Ethan, uh, what what's your prediction for this one? I am predicting another win for Nashville Soccer Club. I'm predicting a tie. I think that... Uh, this game, uh, Columbus has been much better at lower.com season. This at I'm predicting a tie for this game. Columbus has been way better at home than they had been have been on the road. Um, so I think this will be a tie. Um, getting two straight wins on the road can be tough. Um, 
and uh, yeah, without Godoy and Zimmerman, or Zimmerman might be Zimmerman. Yeah, he will be back. I think Zimmerman will be back. Uh, they'll be missing Fafa and Schaffelberg though. Fafa to play in the Gold Cup for Haiti and Schaffelberg to play for Canada. Um, so uh, they'll they'll be missing the verticality that has allowed them to open up their formation this season. I'm actually a little concerned about the stretch of Gold Cup runs where they'll be missing both of their fast attackers. Uh, this game will be the first of those games. All right, for a final prediction, um, uh, another game coming up on Saturday. Uh, let's make score predictions for uh, U.S. versus Jamaica to round out the show. Matt, who you got? Uh, Jamaica or the U.S.? And by, and what's the score going to be? Um, Zendaya scores one goal and a 1-0 win. Ethan, how about you? 2-1 USA. I'm going to say Jordan Morris 1-0. Wow, Jordan scores. Okay. <laughs> I said scores. It wasn't no, a bad one. It was a good one. Yeah, but I heard, we, we all heard the tone. We know what you meant. <laughs> no, I didn't mean anything. There was no tone. <laughs> if you want to continue to get Ethan's tone uh, and updates about the show, remember to follow us on at, on Twitter at WECB Football and on Instagram at footballslife.wecb. Check out our website, footballslife.net. And we'll see you on the next episode coming out on Saturday, July 1st. Until then, everyone, football, football is, is life. life.